Uh, well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, uh, dear friends, I, I guess we'll give it a try this morning and see how far I can get into the sermon. And I hope for today we talked about the sin-sick soul. And I, I've been fortunate for maybe like the, the last two years, I haven't really had a, a, a lot of illnesses for, for whatever reason that this particular one this past week has kind of taken me down. And it, it really has kind of caused me to reflect uh, again on what is health. There's a number of comparisons to the health of our soul versus the health of our body. I just happened to be reading an article this past week and it says, you know, most people about my age are suffering with like two ongoing conditions. They're like going to the doctor, they're receiving treatment, they're taking some kind of medication. Right, you just kind of get to to you know this age. I'm only in my fifties, yeah. But you, know, you get into your fifties, and they say you know two ongoing conditions that you're having a doctor for, you're having to buy medication for, right? That it's just kind of that you know little bit of a, a, a splinter in the back of your mind, if you will. It's just kind of there, and you kind of have to worry about it. You kind of have to take care of it. But isn't it really the same in our world concerning spiritual things? Everybody really kind of look around, and it seems like so many people we know have a, a spiritual sickness, and they don't bother to, to go to the doctor. <laughs> for it, right? Uh, of course, in our case, the, the church would be the hospital, wouldn't it? The word of our Lord and Savior would be the medication that we would take for our spiritual ills. But it seems so many people out there, they're just going to kind of tough it out. Right? And, and, and you've been there, and I've been there, with, with our physical health, Right? I'm not going to go to a doctor. Oh, this is a good workout for my immune system. You know. I don't need that stuff. And don't people feel exactly the same with their spiritual health? Right, and you know, what are some of the conditions? Well, I, I think maybe one of the major ones is that lack of forgiveness, isn't it? We've talked about forgiveness many times in the past, but really that can be one of the, the, the mental, the spiritual things that comes upon you and really limits your ability to have full spiritual health. Because hopefully this morning, you woke up this morning, and you said, wow, it, it's Sunday. And, and maybe there was one of your favorite hymns kind of playing back in your mind as you woke up. And you went through your, your morning routine, and you said, wow, I can't get to 
you know, wait to get to the church and I can see my friends there and, and you know, we can worship the Lord and we can go through the, the liturgy. The, the couple things I did wrong this week, I can confess in, in the confession and hopefully the pastor picked out one or two hymns I like at least and I can sing those, right? And that's what the spiritual Christian life ought to be. That we would wake up in the morning with a song in our heart. We'd be looking forward to learning the Word of God, to opening our, our Bible, to hearing some of those great hymns once again. The fellowship of other Christians on a Sunday morning. But what happens? Right there, there, there's that boss or, or there's that person that did something to me ten years ago. There's that person that did something to me just last month. And I wake up in the morning and I'm grinding my teeth. Boy. I hope when that person is out hunting today they have the worst hunt ever. I hope they don't even get a deer this season. I hope it snows today. Really show that. The, the light of our spiritual life, it, it begins to dim. Within our mind, we're, we're thinking, you know, these the thoughts of, of revenge, these thoughts that that person will be cursed even somehow. I want them to pay. I want them to experience suffering the way that they made me suffer. A, a, a friend comes along and they, they ask you a, a question, but you can't quite even get the spiritual insight to answer it properly because you're so busy being angry. You're so busy hating that, that other person. That thing they did ten years ago. <coughs> I was uh, talking to two brothers recently. And the, the, the one brother, just as a, a, a younger fellow, you know, maybe about 10 years old, you know, he, he had, had stolen something from the store. And yeah, that happens, you know, a 10-year-old kid goes to the store, he, he steals something, right? You know, it, it, it really is kind of a common occurrence, isn't it? He showed it to, to the older brother, who's 12 years old, the 12-year-old brother, I said to him, you need to confess. You need to turn yourself into mom and dad. You need to do the right thing. Right? And that happens too, right? As older siblings, we want our younger sibling to do what's right. We're trying to look out for them. And the, the, the older sibling at the age of 12, he thought to himself, in order for my brother to grow upright, he needs some discipline. He needs some punishment. I will tell mom and dad. I'll tell them. And so he did. At the age of 12, he went and he told his mom and dad, 10-year-old brother stole this thing from the store. Right? 
the brothers now in their elderly years still fighting about that one incident where the younger brother says, I felt betrayed. My older brother, he wasn't looking out for me. He wasn't taking care of me. He went and he told. And the older brother said, I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to be responsible. I was trying to help my brother grow up right. You see, from a, a simple little incident like that, how family conflict begins. That thing that happened when I was 10 years old, I will never forgive my brother for betraying the thing I told him in confidence. And the 12-year-old brother, of course, said, I wanted my little brother to grow up right. I felt my parents needed to know. And then it begins to dominate your entire life, doesn't it? And, and yeah, maybe we don't want to you know, raise our hands this morning. We don't want to admit it among one another this morning. But you can wake up in the morning grinding your teeth thinking vengeful thoughts about what your brother, your own brother, did back when he was 10 Right back when he was 12. And it puts a, a damper on your whole day. Doesn't it? Because you woke up with that feeling of hardness in your heart. And now you're going about your day grinding your teeth. And you're kind of grumbling about that person. And you're expressing your, your unhappiness to yourself at least. Now you're little... little Dog comes into the room and tries to nuzzle your ankle and get away from me. See? There's a little dog bugging me right now. I have important things to be angry about. See? That follows you through the day then, doesn't it? And a, a, a friend, a neighbor, a colleague comes to you with a, a, a spiritual problem and, and you just can't quite help them. You can't quite remember the scripture. You, you say, wow, you know, the, I talked about that in Bible study like two years ago and I kind of remember, but I, I, I can't get there. <coughs> or or, or they're, they're asking you questions about your church or about God and, and the knowledge just kind of flees from your mind. I used to know that. But now I can't quite share it with you. Maybe I can direct you to some other resources, but you know, and then you're just kind of frustrated. And, and, and then Sunday morning it, it is there, and you've gone through these things on a Sunday morning, and, and you're thinking to yourself, well, now I'm going to go to church and learn about the love of Jesus. Maybe you don't even want that on Sunday morning. Don't sit home. Don't want to be around those happy people and sing those songs about forgiveness and love and wants to have any of that in my life. 
Maybe you and I have been there at times. The, the light is going down. We don't have any spiritual insight. We, we can't seem to solve our own problems anymore. We know that we're supposed to pray, but... Uh, kind of mad at God too. We have friends that we have neighbors that they're there as well, don't we? I'm mad at God. Now throughout our, our, our land there are countless missionaries that go out into the mission field. Actually it's very rare that a, a missionary has some kind of a, a wonderful, you know, sugar-coated experience. I went to these people, and none of them knew about Jesus, and the first day I got up to speak, and they all just gathered around, you know. And I was able to get Bibles for every one of them and translate the Scripture into their, their own language, and oh, we just created this giant Christian community, Everything was wonderful. Though we, we'd maybe like to hear stories like that, but the, the, the truth of the matter is many of, of the greatest missionaries of the last 200 years went to, to places where they were in poverty and they worked for 20 or 30 years and they maybe only gained 20 people to Christ. And working through turmoil, working in difficult situations and struggling with the, the many things in different cultural environments, they spent their lifetime, their entire career, and maybe only 20 people came. Imagine how, how frustrating that might be. Can you imagine how, how difficult it would be after you know maybe just five years to get up in the morning and say, "Wow, I've been here five years and there's one," you know? And maybe some days you, you wouldn't even know what you were doing in that situation. And say, "Well, I guess I'm going to try for year six now." And, and well, maybe by year 10, I had three. They said, oh. How do we keep going in the midst of difficult circumstances? How do we overcome the, the anger, the, the frustration of other people sinning against us? How do we get up and keep going? Going. And the answer is, of course, that we have Jesus, don't we? The answer is, of course, that we understand that our Lord and Savior died for our sins. And the answer is that as we grow closer to Him, we have more and more of those good days where we wake up with that song in our heart. 
And as we're reading through our daily devotion, we see something in there that helps us or that we can use to help someone else. And then it all just kind of lays out in your mind, doesn't it? And I hope that all of you have been there as well. There, there's some problem, and you're thinking about the problem, and you're studying the Holy Scripture, and you're going to God in prayer, and you're able to go to the person that needs your help and to say, this is exactly what you need to do. Step one, step two, step three. I can lay out the plan. I can tell you what you need to do to fix it. Here it is. I hope you've been there. And when you're in that place, it doesn't matter that you're a missionary who served for 10 years and only brought one person to know Jesus. It doesn't even matter that you've been falsely imprisoned and you're behind the prison bars. And, and you're looking out and, and the guards treat you like dirt because they think you probably did it. That's why you're here in jail. That you have that inner life. And that's where it starts. And it starts because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, you see. Our Lord and Savior, He said, I have to go back to heaven and it's going to be okay because I will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can be with each and every one of you all of the time, every day, as long as you hold Him in regard. You know, that, that is, as long as you honor Him. As long as you yourself want to protect the precious gift. Now, yeah, we, you know, we, can, we can argue, we can fantasize, and we can say, wouldn't it be great if Jesus just stayed on the earth? But see, Jesus, in His human body, He was limited to that one location, wasn't He? And so, yeah, you know, Jesus could be on his throne there in Israel, in the city of Jerusalem. And we say, wow, we can see him on TV. Wow, he, you know, he, he's on, on different programs. The, the news channel is showing him every day. Isn't that wonderful? And now I would like to maybe go and, and see him once, once at least in my life. Sure. And so I, I make my plan, but I have to plan like five years in advance, you know. Because everybody else wants to go there and see him too. And then maybe I, I finally, after five years, my dream is realized. And, and you know, I, I fly into Jerusalem and I land at the airport. And of course, because Jesus is there, the city is really crowded. It's almost impossible to get around. But somehow I make my way to my little motel room. And, and you know, the, the service isn't really that great because, hey, everybody is coming here. We don't really have to serve. You know? People book these rooms five years in advance. Who cares if they get angry? We can just bring someone else into the room. 
Why there be really no, no service? And so you just spend the, the night and you know some accommodations that, that weren't really that great, and you struggle to find some food the next day, and then you, you make your way to the palace where you stand in line for eight hours. And finally you get to see Jesus. Oh, there he is, I'm finally here. And he can maybe spend two minutes with you because there's so many people. Uh, that's what it would be like, wouldn't it? And Jesus said, I need to go back to heaven so I can send my Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can be with each and every one of you where you are every day for as long as you welcome Him there. We have that precious gift. We have that ability of having the triune God with us. And that becomes the inner life. That's the foundation. And so when we have that foundation, then we can wake up with a wonderful hymn in our mind. And when we have that foundation, we can at least realize, okay, I'm having a bad day, thinking about my 12-year-old brother again, how he betrayed me, how he turned me into my folks. I shared something with him in confidence, just because he thought he was the big righteous man. I'm thinking about that. Grinding my teeth. And at least I have the realization. What does the Holy Spirit ask of me today? He wants me to forgive him, doesn't he? And now maybe right away I don't want to go with that. Maybe I still, for some reason, I want to cling to my anger. Maybe I have some reason, you know, that um, I'm a kind of a big movie guy. So remember Captain Kirk from a Starship Enterprise. In one of the movies, he argues. I want to keep my anger because it drives me and it makes me who I am. Well, maybe for, for some people that's true. I want to keep my anger because it kind of gives me a fire inside my belly. It keeps me moving forward. Well, what does God say? God says He wants us to forgive. God says He wants us to enter into His rest. God says He wants us to be at peace. God says He wants us to experience life eternally with Him in a wonderful place where there, there is no anger and there is no hatred. And that there is no bloodshed. For even he himself will wipe every tear from our eye. 
And dear friends, that is the love God has for us. He loves us so much that He sent His Son that our sins could be forgiven. He loves us so much He sent His Holy Spirit into each of our hearts that we would know right from wrong. He loves us so much that He asks that we would trust Him, that we would forgive as He has asked us. Now God Himself says, I know what's happened to you. Let me be the judge. You forgive one another. And dear friends, when we can follow the Lord's command, when we can live according to His word, we enter into His peace. We enter into His joy. We do wake up in the morning with a wonderful song in our heart. And with that song and with that Holy Spirit guiding us through our days, we can show that love of Christ to others. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds, now and always. Amen.